Like 
70s hippie stuff you know and I thought okay cool whatever and then I was listening to it the other day and I was like oh shit actually this is about his, his little boy and I was like oh that's really nice and I tweeted it and his little boy is now a big boy and he's called Duncan Jones and he's a director right so um he's on Twitter and he um I I acted him in when I wrote about it and he replied and he was like oh that's that's really lovely ha 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 and all of this and I was like because I was like oh I didn't to realize it was about his son that's so nice and that's so lovely and all of this so that was great whatever next day I wake up to another tweet from Duncan Jones saying I've just read this back and realized that you wrote lovey not lovely um and now I'm wondering if you're taking a piss so um so I had to I I woke up to my idol's son thinking I'm taking the piss of his dead dad <laughs> so that wasn't the best day I've had in a long time all um, because I'm fucking illiterate because <laughs> Twitter hasn't got an editing <laughs> yeah feature I wouldn't I didn't notice it I'm not gonna lie so <laughs> and also you're illiterate yeah um it's You've told me this, and every time I've not given you the response you want, like it's because I don't know what response I deserved. That was a very upsetting time <laughs> of my life. You have no idea what it's like for Duncan Jones to be pissed off at you for mocking David. Maybe he wasn't <laughs> pissed off. Maybe he, he was. He told me he was pissed off. <laughs> It was very upset. That your DA slid into your DMs. He did. He did it all publicly for everyone to see. It's very upsetting. Speaking of Twitter. I'm now caught up on Colleen versus oh. Rebecca. <laughs> I'm on up to date on Vardygate. The best, the best public fight since me and Duncan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, someone put on Twitter, and I, I think it sums up really well. This spat is to Brexit what playing football on Christmas Day was to World War Two. Oh. It's just that nice little break and a oh. little bit of a, <laughs> a breather for all of the craziness. I thought you were getting up that it's completely unimportant then and I was going to be like, don't you fucking dare insult the Christmas Day football No, match. the Christmas that's Day the football match is the best thing and that's how I feel about yeah. Colleen versus Rebecca. Absolutely. So the, you, you, those of you who don't know, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try and give you a... A First brief of all, those history. of you who don't know, I'm sorry, okay, because your life is subpar. <laughs> <laughs> so, Colleen Rooney, married to famous footballer and Shrek serial like. cheater Wayne Rooney. Um, and a ginger. And she's a ginger. Um, he's a ginger. Oh, he's a ginger. I don't know, he's got no hair that I've seen. Oh, he's very ginger. Okay, I don't really give ginger a shit. Ginger Shrek, imagine it. I, I am and it looks like Wayne Rooney. Yeah. Um well he she's what we call a wag. I'm not gonna Wag is a wife and girlfriend. Of a footballer. Yeah. She's um, only one of them. Yeah. Um and Rebecca Vardy is dating Jamie Vardy. Yeah, or married to I assume. Yeah. Um from Leicester City. I learned that. Um and they're pals on the on the old Instagram. And Colleen was noticing on her private Instagram the stories that she was putting up were finding their way into the Daily Mail and the Sun. And this is important to, I know you said private, but she's got like a specific Instagram just for her family. It's not like she's got fans and things like that. Yeah, she's got her public 
Instagram and then a second Instagram, um, which is a private one. And she was realizing that a lot of these stories were ending up in the Daily Mail or the Sun. And she had her suspicions as to who it was. So like the absolute detective that she is, she instigated a plan where she removed people, um, blocked them from seeing her Instagram stories, and then would plant stories, fake news stories, to see which ones would turn up in, in the media. And she posted this on a little screenshot of her notes on Twitter. <laughs> the only way to release a public statement. Um, and explaining the story that it's been going on for about five months, it's causing a lot of stress for her family. And after she'd blocked everyone but the one person she suspected, a new story got leaked. So she <laughs> she announced at the end of her, her heartfelt, heartfelt, heartfelt note. Including ellipsis in a space yeah, in a new line. It's, it's ellipsis, ellipsis. Rebecca Vardy's oh. account. <laughs> um, so this has started, has created uproars. Vardy is very upset and heavily pregnant. Vardy's, Vardy, she cancelled her. her Vardy uh, can't shit without mentioning that she's heavily pregnant. <laughs> she cancelled her ho- Hawaiian holiday oh, to she? come back um, no. because she was too upset. Because she needs to remain in Britain <laughs> at this trying time. <laughs> Not like when David Cameron fled after no. <laughs> after he um, uh, let down Colin Rooney. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's become quite the saga. Um, she is now being her actual her Wikipedia entry has been edited yeah. to add Colleen Vardy, um, famous um, wife of famous footballer Wayne Rooney and also amateur detective who goes <laughs> under the alias Wagatha Christie <laughs> and I've got to be honest it makes me really proud to be British because everyone is just talking about it all the time I heard a man do a cover of uh, Jolene <laughs> um, can, I, can I add that um, it's actually hit quite close to home to a friend of mine because uh <laughs> he screenshotted Rebecca Vardy tweeting pot noodle saying um, can you DM me I need to talk to you and he said oh Colleen's been eating pot noodles on the slide <laughs> and pot noodle responded by saying by taking a, a cutting of my friend's face and putting it on this the like profile picture on Twitter and saying that if you get a thousand retweets, we'll make a custom pot noodle with your face on it. <laughs> and which he's done. So out of this horrendous saga comes new life and the birth of a corner pot noodle. <laughs> That's so great. Congrats, Connor. Well done, Thrills for you. your pot noodle. I'll make sure to buy one. Um, uh, did you see Netflix reply? No. They're like, we're going to have to make a documentary about this, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> And then underneath in the comments, they went, we haven't got a mixtape to drop, but here are a bunch of our actual <laughs> documentaries. Um, Innocent uh, Smoothie have put, her on their new, uh, put the label on their new blue drink. Clean oh, <laughs> versus Rebecca. I love this so I What <laughs> is Britain? The shit that makes you proud to be Britain. <laughs> Winston in, Churchill doesn't. Fucking Margaret Thatcher certainly doesn't. <laughs> Colleen Rooney sure as shit does. In this horrific 
post-apocalyptic political like time of civil unrest that we were we can all come together <laughs> over a mutual um, appreciation of Collie Rooney's sleuthing skill. <laughs> <laughs> well, Agatha um, Christie. Well, this this episode is dedicated to Agatha Christie <laughs> and every other episode is following. <laughs> Fuck Becky Vardy. <laughs> <laughs> and then Danielle Lloyd got involved. Oh, I don't yeah. really know what happened. She's also a victim. This of is Rebecca's a, rampage. Is she, <laughs> what happened? She's just done the same thing to her. She sold stories on it. I better oh, tell wow. Pot Noodle. <laughs> you <laughs> should. Pot Noodle. Pot Noodle. I was eating Pot Noodle at five o'clock this morning, fucking finishing this research for this stupid topic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, and anything, any more news? Yeah, I am. Oh, I forgot. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you my news. Um, uh, while while she's doing whatever she's doing. I bought you fudge for cat sitting. Oh shit! What? It's the classic cat sitting gift. Oh, I wasn't intending on giving you. to you one here. I just only now remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it greatly. It's a lifeboat fudge as well. My favorite. Yeah, all the proceeds go to lifeboat men. Oh, nice! I love a good lifeboat. Thank you. You're well, welcome. I'm a hero. I've saved her life at sea today. So, <laughs> um, I've forgotten what my news was. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh no. Um, my news was that I'm very upset to learn that. Um, you know Charlie from Old Sunny in Philadelphia mm. turned down the role of Charles Manson in the new Tarantino film. Would that not have been the best thing in the fucking world? <laughs> it would have apparently. You know we're a Charlie Appreciation podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I know that you're a Charlie. Yeah, I am a Charlie Appreciation podcast. Um, that's your your next project. Um, it is. Very excited. Yeah. Um, can you imagine him just screaming at people, screaming <laughs> how to skelter at people and ripping their throats out? <laughs> It would have been great. Have you, have you seen the new one? The no, one yet. No, my dad saw it. He's a long time Tarantino fan. First time caller. First time caller. <laughs> um, and he he wasn't that impressed. He said it didn't really go anywhere. Um, but that's, that's the first bad review I've heard of it. Is it really? Because I've not heard anything about yeah. it. I've heard good things about the Joker. Or yeah, Joker. me too. I'm kind of like iffy about that because I feel like I feel like I don't really agree with the thing of like oh films have got to be really responsible on that because I feel like people should understand that fiction isn't reality but I do feel like it's a weird time to bring out a film like that mm. and kind of celebrate a guy like that you know well it's a yeah I if they the if thing is like it was different when it was Jared Leto it was different in Suicide Squad because that wasn't Acknowledge, and this seems a bit more like this is not okay. Whereas it was a very romanced and ro- over romanticized. But with with that, sport. it was a lot more just always oh, crazy, he's wacky. But with this, it's very specifically like society has been mean to him, and now he's a baddie and he's gonna hurt people yeah. because that's what society has done. And it's like no, he's just a cunt who can't take girls not fucking him or whatever and like <laughs> you, that, you don't know what happens in this no movie. I haven't seen the film but <laughs> but like I mean it's it's I, quite obviously it got a lot of parallels to 
all the fucking school shooter business yeah. in America. And I feel like they've done they really don't need a film like that out at the moment that's being like you especially know, when oh, like that's the reason it's kind of like that you know when everyone was kicking off about 13 reasons why where it was like oh they're making out that you know the romanticizing suicide and not acknowledging that it's an illness and blah 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 it's that kind of thing but with this it's kind of like they they kind of reinforcing the thing of like yeah society has put me down so i'm gonna fight back and, and yeah i mean i think I haven't seen it, so it could be that it's portrayed in a way that makes him seem crazy, though. Um, I don't think, not from what I read. Okay. I, I feel uh, like they, I've, I've seen a lot of people saying it would have been okay if they'd acknowledged it and they didn't. Okay. So I've not seen it yet, so I'm reserving judgment. Yeah, because no, everyone I've heard talk about it, and people are, whose opinions I generally respect. People who are, sorry? Whose opinions I generally yeah, yeah. respect, they are saying that it's a good movie. I've heard so. as a film in itself, yeah. it's great. But it's it, just, they, I, I, I do disagree with you, because I do think there is a responsibility with films to... Not with fiction films, I don't know. No, okay, no fair. Yeah, I, but I mean, you know, obviously, you can have your own opinion. I just personally feel like if someone's fiction, it's not on them to, like, tell everyone must teach everyone lessons and raise no, yeah, that's and No, yeah, that's fair. Like, I mean, it's like books like, Fight Club and yeah. things like that, and people if people choose to make those into sort of yeah, if the character's a villain, they're gonna be shitty people. Then you can't then kick off and be like this character is like abusive or blah blah. It's the positive yeah. moral story. Some people yeah, like, that. like those stories are actually good stories. Yeah, that's what makes it yeah. interesting. But I, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Yeah, it's a very strange time, isn't it? It's a strange times indeed. All round. Okay. Talking about strange. Oh. Ooh. What were you doing on the 20th of September, Portia? Uh, Hawaii. <laughs> what have you got me down? Oh, it's just a That's what the swinging lamp is for. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I could handcuff me in my own home. Fucking <laughs> hell. Um, the 20th? 20th of September. Oh. Counting all my money for my birthday. Oh yeah, how many monies? Guess what? One hundred and eighty, like a dartboard. Oh wow! My family love me. That's a that's some money. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. All right. Um, on the twentieth of September, I can't even say it. Do do all sorry. You know what I wasn't doing on the 20th of September? <laughs> this bit is not worth it. I was not. What was the date? It was the 20th of September. Okay, what were you doing? It was my dad's birthday. Okay. And neither him nor I were raiding Area 51. Oh, shit. To see dead aliens. I was. So you better get this right because I know exactly what's happened there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. 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 So, all right, then tell me. Was Area 51... Uh, it's it's this place we went to on the twenty September. I was the one you should have seen me in video footage. I was the one who looked like a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that you. about you. <laughs> <laughs> Over to you. Um, so Area Fifty One, um, also known as Groom Lake, is a Groom Lake. Yeah, is that what it's called? Mm-hmm. I just spell Groom like um, like bride and. I was going to say, like, broom with a G. <laughs> I'm not wrong. Boom! <laughs> um, 
military facility 90 miles north. I don't so much emphasis. Do you know um you dress kind of like you look like you're in Jurassic Park today? Yeah, this yeah. is my this is my nineties mum look. It's yeah, one of my well, favorites. it could also be nineties uh, Laura Dern look. Yeah, but just same. less fucking annoying than Laura Dern. You are. That's thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, no, this is my um my lesbian mum look. Yeah, or yeah. lesbian Laura Dern. Yeah. 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 All nineties. Laura Dern. All the time. <laughs> Absolute radio. Um, so, Area Fifty One. <laughs> Also known as Groom Lake, spelt like broom but with a G, <laughs> um, is a secret military facility. Ninety more, ninety more miles, <laughs> ninety miles north of Vegas, named for its map designation. What? Ah, oh, it's called it the Groom Lake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got you. Um, it's known as America's. Uh, traditional testing ground for like black budget aircraft. In the, the 1955, the CIA started using Area 51 to develop planes. Okay. In 1959, they established a radar test facility, and this happened for a while, and they were just testing planes and stuff. Radios. And radios. <laughs> radar. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Like r- 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 radio. Radio. Bop, bop. What does it do bunch of declassified documents officially acknowledging Area 51 as a, a secret military site. Mm-hmm. So for those 60 years prior, they were like, it's I don't know talk. what you're talking about. I've never even seen an area uh, there. Area 51, there's nothing else here. I've never met her. <laughs> area 51? No, I don't even know it. Groom Lake. <laughs> How do you even spell that? Um, so the documents that they released claim that the site was secret to keep information from the Soviets, um, rather than to cover up an alien encounter. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly story. what someone who's covering up an alien encounter would say. But exactly, some presidents have even talked about it. <gasps> Post time, they said. So Clinton, our mate, Bill. Yeah, not mine, but. No, my, yeah. no, my president <laughs> um, said on Jimmy Kimmel live that um, as when he was president, he would send aides to go and investigate the records um, and find out what the government knew about A fifty one. A fifty one. That's what I've written down because it's quicker. Area fifty one and UFOs. Um, he said he'd have people to go look in there um, to see the, to make sure there were no aliens down there. <laughs> Um, Obama also mentioned Area 51 when honouring um, a famous actress, Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. Because um, she was very vocal about her interest in UFOs and the extraterrestrials. Really? So when discussing her, Obama talks about Area 51. Shit. With Link to 
that. So. I want him to talk about aliens in my honor. You know, I want that to be my legacy. <laughs> but he's such a fan of me that he's like, I know what Paul should want. Shed light on Area 51. Let me do yeah. it. Yeah, uh, he's just oh, dropping guys, hints all over d- the place. Uh, uh, donate to our Patreon. Perhaps Obama will pay attention to us. <laughs> oh, him and Michelle put up a lovely little post the other day of them being ma- like their wedding anniversary. Oh. It was the cutest thing, and like just a couple goals. Oh, oh I just love that he calls himself Barry. You know. <laughs> I don't. What? He call, him and all his friends call him Barry. Barry Obama. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah. That is very cute. Aww. Aww. Well, now we're sad. Are we? <laughs> I am. I miss Barry. I miss Barry. Um, on July 12th of this year, of our law, 2019, of which we are currently living, um, in which we are currently living, what the hell? <laughs> Did I have my stroke? <laughs> I've been looking for that. I've not seen it since this morning. Um, 1.5 million people said they would attend a Facebook event entitled Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. Fucking dickheads. The I'm raid was proposed for 3am September 20th. Do you want to know what actually happened? Because I had a little look into it. Yeah, so obviously yeah. nobody fucking raided Area <clears throat> 51 because that's stupid shit. But they decided, the guy who started the event decided to throw an event called Alien Stock. And it was about as successful as Templecon. Because <laughs> he just didn't pay for any <laughs> vendors or anything. Like, I think they made £300 and it cost like 300000 or something for the security to be there. And The last I saw, he was trying to convince people not to go. Yeah, because it was embarrassed. Because the CIA were like, bitch, sort your virgins <laughs> out. Uh, yeah, so they and they were they had like they were gonna have like live music, but then it just, as you'd expect from like a a nineteen year old trying to plan an event, it all went tits up. Yeah. But his mum wants him to do it again next year, which is really cute. Why? I don't know. Maybe she's really Surely big on aliens. that was fucking traumatic. They even had the CIA at his door. <laughs> but she's up for it. Whatever my boy wants to be, even if he's a war criminal, that's okay with me. <laughs> I didn't mean to say war criminal, I meant to say terrorist, but... <laughs> <laughs> so the reason that um, it w- would have been a very bad idea to storm Area 51 is that is there are patrol... Well, yeah. <laughs> The patrolling guards are armed with M16s and are authorised to use deadly force if someone doesn't halt on entering. Nice. That hasn't happened yet, okay. apparently, um, that we know of. Yeah. But the police are often called by the guards and will give you a $600 fine right oh. there. Right in the spot. So the closest legal vantage par- um, point is 26 miles away. That's a whole marathon away. You no, can't. You can't do yeah, two marathons, no? What? No, a half marathon is thirteen. Oh. So what? So you can't come within twenty six miles of Area Fifty One. Well, that's like the legal vantage point, somewhere so somewhere you can actually see anything at the top uh, of Tickaboo Peak. Okay. So there are a number of conspiracy theories from Area Fifty One. What conspiracy theories do you think there are? Uh, 
Aliens. 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 And who else? <laughs> so, Alien Lord. <laughs> so yeah, UFO testing is the biggest theory. Um, so it's sought to be America's main base for te- testing captured and crashed UFOs. And this started um, with the Roswell incident, which wasn't anywhere near Area 51. It was down in um, near, Mex- near Mexico, New Mexico. It was in Roswell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is down near New Mexico. So um, many people believe that the findings of that crash were taken to Area 51. So in 1947, an occupied flying saucer alleged, allegedly um, was recovered from Roswell. There was a press release from the Roswell Army Airfield um, saying that they had recovered a crashed flying disc from a nearby ranch. Um, a few days later, another press release said that it was a debris of a radar tracking device. Yeah. Uh, but do we believe that? No. The case was forgotten for like 30 years until there was an article published with uh, Major Jesse Marcel, who was involved in the original recovery. Mm. Um, he said that he believed the military had covered up the recovery of alien spacecraft. Ooh. But then if people were covering it up, who was he? What was he a major? Yeah. Surely you would have known Major's about it. Major's not that high. It's pretty high. He'd be yeah. in the know, I think. Maybe he's like on that cusp of like, and that's why he's scorned and wants to yeah. tell them. So, over the following years, more witnesses came out, um, adding more dif- details, and that's when sort of the whole UFO, like people sending in UFO pictures and things, really sort of kicked off. Yeah. One. Um, former mortician claimed that alien autopsies had been carried out in the military base in Roswell. Oh, how would he know? Because mm, he was there, I guess. Were they getting him to see pictures of the dead aliens as well? Uh, yeah, maybe. I didn't Surely you that. wouldn't get a mortician to do that. You know? You wouldn't be like, listen, you got an interesting one for you. No, you just got a, a Some scientist stuff made with a decent amount of human yeah. anatomy because you'd want some, you want someone who'd be able to say that's not the same as it is with us. Yeah. 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 Um. So in '95, and um, the government reported that it was actually recovered from a pro- project Mogul, <coughs> um, which was using like balloons and like discs to detect sound waves from bomb tests and ballistic missiles. Um, they re- released a second report in ninety seven saying that witnesses had innocently transformed their memories um, what? of the recovery of anthropomorphic dummies. Ah, oh, false memories. Yeah. Ah. Uh, see, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. I think you were the ones who changed their memories. Men in black, if that is your real name. Uh, so these sort of rumours increased when the base was being used to um, create the ox cart. And this is like a flying sort of ship, it's called a Lockheed A-12, it's a, rec- a reconnaissance plane. It's really shiny and weird looking. Ooh. Um, it was like unprecedented, I have got one but I was going to put one on Instagram. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I haven't got one, that's not like me. Yeah, the, the the shape of it was unprecedented, and the pilots, um, commercial pilots, would see see it go past at like two hundred miles an hour, and 
because it was like all titanium and moved so fast it would move it would reflect the sun's rays ah. make it look like a ufo and yeah some people say that dead alien dissections and interrogations of living ones happen in nearly 51 that wasn't a good sentence i'm sorry for that structure there are also other theories of, of what happened in area 51 um weather control so um some people think that meteorologists are experimented with cloud seeding and dropping chemicals into clouds to help rain production in areas of drought in america they're not doing very well they apparently not um and they also <laughs> there's a theory that there's a separate section producing hurricanes and storms to direct it in enemy countries <laughs> <laughs> Just the hurricane was that <laughs> was that research commissioned by one D Trump maybe? <laughs> uh, um, one of my absolute favorite theories is one of the Majestic Twelve. So they, there's a theory that there is a committee of scientists, military leaders, politicians, and civil servants called the Majestic Twelve. The God, I want to be one. Super villain group um created by president truman to manage alien investigations like i like to imagine that it's d12 like the the rap band but they're all in like wizard garments you know (laughs) i think they're all just in like blue suits with sunglasses do you think they'll do you think they need um a marketing executive by any chance yeah but you might like you know if you I think the idea is that they don't want to be marketed. Oh, if anything, shit. I think the marketing executive is doing a, a really <laughs> good job because I didn't know anything about this. Um, yeah, so they think that they played a big role in examining the Roswell incident. I really want that to be true. Yeah. I love the idea of secret society. Where did they come up with this idea of there being 12 of them, though? That's like such and why a are they magnificent? They, they're not the majestic. Oh, majestic, okay. That's even they're, weirder. They're that's not any That sort of like directly describes the way they move, you know? This is like. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about you is your walk. That's what I'm going to describe you as. Another theory is that they are energy weapons being um, developed out of. Um, alien tech like the ones in Diatlov Pass mm. yeah vaporising rays is what they were going and time travel gadgets Ooh. gadgets and gizmos exactly a plenty who's it and what's it's galore yeah I think I'm a god we got 20 yeah no big deal I got 12 and they're majestic so. <laughs> <laughs> I want more um, so there's also theories of future transport being developed there that's time travel no not travel into the future oh okay <laughs> <laughs> that's a bit of a posh term right? <laughs> future transport um, some people say that if area 51 is the center hub for an underground rail system to travel across all of north america why would they find that <laughs> That'd be like a great thing for America. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be like, we need to come, like create the best transport system in the world, potentially, but just not tell anyone about it. It's like it underground. Taken them 60 years, <laughs> 70 years. I just can't get customers. Like, no one wants to travel. I don't get it. 
they also there's a theory that they are developing the Cheshire airstrip, uh, a runway only visible when water is sprayed onto camouflage tarmac, <gasps> named after the Cheshire cat. <gasps> what? That is shit in wild. <laughs> I don't know whether it's true. It better be. It's straight to Christ. Oh. And there are extensive underground facilities at Area 51, um, confirmed by many testimonies of ex-employees. Oh, okay. What are they allowed to say? Well, that's the thing, because we believe those, apparently, yeah. but we don't believe Bob Lamar. Yeah. And by Lamar, I mean Lazar. Because <laughs> Bob Lamar is not... If there's any justice in this world. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, early 51 obviously has become really famous um, because of all of the alien theories, which must have come from somewhere because yeah. they've just no like. Smoke without fire. Exactly, and they, there's no like. I, I don't understand where it would have started if. Anyway. Tell it where it started. Fucking Roswell. Exactly. But my point is, Roswell happened fucking miles away. So why Area 51 if yeah. there's no truth there? There's plenty of military bases in the US. No smoke without fire. So the adjacent highway to Area 51 is called the Extraterrestrial Highway. It's like um, it's like Ripley. It's like, um, you know, when they changed it to uh, Weird Way or something? <laughs> or they yeah, changed um, it to Strange Way? No, it's no it, was, it was Broadway, wasn't it? So they called yeah. it Bizarre Way. No. I don't know. I know. Similar concept, anyway. Yeah. We, we listened stuff. to our own episodes. <laughs> you um, listened to me. <laughs> clearly. Um, there's also a little motel, um, which is alien-themed, called The Little Alien. Oh, that is going on our on our holiday. Oh, it is. It's 100% on our, oh, um, on our American Road trip. Weird and wonderful no, all this weird shit in America. Yeah. Something in the water, no? Americans. Um, so, and the minor league baseball team in Las Vegas is called the 51s. Ah, that's cool. Like the 59ers. Um, is the cafe real that Fox goes to when he was a I think it might be that one. The end is a cafe as well. Yeah. Go there. Because I think they went there in Paul as well. Right. In the movie Paul. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I could have done a bit more research, but I've got lots coming up, so I did this as like the intro. Okay. Um, this is the, the prologue. Oh, um, it's long. So, do you know why Tom DeLong left Blink-182? I do. Yeah. yeah. Why did you leave Blink-182? To set up, is, is Weird Aliens a real company? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, he claims to be the military's chosen vessel for the for UFO disclosure. Sorry. <laughs> he was the executive producer on a History Channel series called Unidentified, Inside America's UFO Investigation. Oh. He, he literally left Blink-182 to focus on setting up the foundations to create a vehicle for the disclosure of the UFO. Oh, I bet Mark Harper's was fucking tamping. <laughs> After they had that big argument as well, and they all came together over Travis's deathbed. And then, and then he was like, "Cool, love you all. 
psych just going to Pat Jalian's. The chosen vessel for you. If you I'm know how it there. is, you know. I'd love to do Blink One Eight Two, but I'm vessel and I so. A poll in 2019 said that 54% of US adults think it's likely the government knows more than it's telling about UFOs. Is that it? I should not say like only 54%. Like, I, you don't have to believe that no Area one. 51 is involved. You don't have to believe all of it. But I'm keeping stuff from us. It's a matter of safety. And one of the main reasons we believe Area 51 is involved is because of a gentleman called Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar, yeah. Bob Lamar. Um, in 1989, Bob Lazar talked on, I don't know, CNN or some shit, some news programme, about how he had worked with alien spacecraft at Papoose Lake. Papoose Lake! Yeah. That's my favourite. <laughs> so much better than Groom Lake. Papoose! Um, which is a bit south of Area 51. So when he was first on the air, he was in shadow and wouldn't allow himself to be seen. Called himself Dennis. Dennis. And said that they were testing nine alien airships and working on um, propulsion and power sources. Um, using antimatter for power sources and that they were threatened area 51 were threatening to kill him and his wife oh shit so bob lazar surely hang on but surely they wouldn't threaten you would they they'd just do it i'm not gonna be like listen up bob we are gonna come and get you maybe like veiled threats which are a bit more you know just bump them off have they got to lose yeah maybe you know, you already know he's a talker talker, so why you give him the opportunity to then talk talk about the fact that he threatened mm, but to kill this him? Was be- they, I think they said he was saying that they threatened him before he started talking. Like, why would he do that? Like, sort of like, guys, if you say anything, you're mm. at risk. Okay. So Bob was hired to work at an area called S4 in Groom Lake, where they reverse-engineered alien spacecraft. So Bob, I watched this um, documentary called... Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers, which is on Netflix. God, I just need you to say lasagna again every time. <laughs> I'm just going to call him Bob from now on. Yeah, I've done you like the next five sentences <laughs> after, seconds after you say it. So, Bob was this really shy guy. Um, he had a... His first sort of interview series was by a guy called George Knapp. And George and I spent ages trying to get him to talk about it, and Bob just didn't want to. And some days he'd be a bit more talkative, but some days he was like, "No, I." He was genuinely felt uncomfortable and felt unsafe talking about it. But trying to remember it all was also very uncomfortable because like I just, it was so unnatural what he saw there. Yeah. Um, but he did say he did record interviews as an insurance because if the information was out there and then disappeared, then yeah. it would look really dodgy. He, but he genuinely seemed really terrified by what he saw. Mm-hmm. Um, his wife is actually really supportive. They interviewed oh, her. She genuinely, she will just say he's not a liar. He's yeah. not the kind of guy to just make stuff up. He's an incredibly smart guy. He's never been the sort of guy to lie about this sort of stuff. Um, and his mum was f- fully supportive as well. And she's like, well, obviously this stuff out there. And, she um you she was showing little pictures of him on this bike he'd oh. made as a kid and put jet engines on and, <laughs> and all this stuff. 
Um, Bob, his statement was that in the late 1980s, the US government had recovered alien spacecraft, several of them, and their technology in the Nevada de desert that they were keeping quiet and analyzing. That is a fact. Mm. He's like this really clever guy. As I said, he used to put like jet engines on his bike and was used to like make engines in his garage and stuff. Um, he had a job working in Los Alamos National Laboratory as a physicist where he worked on like particle, particle accelerators and stuff. That's so cool. <clears throat> He's got like two major degrees of some sort, like from MIT and things. Oh, that's the kind of person I feel like I should have been if I'd been born with a brain. No. <laughs> um, so Bob was looking for a job when he was called in for an interview by um, these guys who sort of were hiring for the Navy. Um, they were asking him what was the question about like what he did in his spare time and things like that. And when he got the job, they immediately just gave him 121 briefings. Oh, £20. To read through. <laughs> 121 <laughs> pounds. <laughs> um, all of which talking about alien spacecraft. So as soon as he was in through the door, they were like, right, yeah, read these. Alien bodies they were dissecting and all this stuff. And Bob was like, this is really weird that they are just giving me yeah. this information straight at the door, like... Right. It's just bizarre. Yeah, use the company uniform policy and use yeah. what think about aliens. <laughs> yeah, here are all the aliens that you're going to be working on. I'm going to have to write an alien policy for my work now. I think so. Um, so he worked on um, the spaceships themselves. He was the one working on reverse engineering to try and understand their power source so they had their ships were powered by antimatter reactors and the government wanted to recreate these without using this element called one uh, element 155 115 but in in antimatter like black holes and stuff uh, i don't know enough about physics to answer these questions really i hate physics I into space sometimes yeah, only a few though, and I didn't really, I didn't read all my 121 briefings, so. Yeah. So you not think that might have been good for the podcast? Yeah, but just. Yeah, to be fair. <laughs> Got a reading. I was back when I was too caught up in my future transport. <laughs> so, like. <laughs> so gentle. <laughs> So the government were trying to recreate um, these antimatter reactors, but had no access to this element 115, and they couldn't re recreate it using things like plutonium. Right. Um, Fucking um, amateur. So <laughs> you'd seen loads of things there, um, but when there was like this part of this force field where like, do you know like when you put two magnets together and mm -hmm. you can't. Um, but it'd be like you go to put his hand to touch this sphere, and there'd be like a physical Whoa. barrier there which you couldn't see. Um, he also said that they had this hand scanner which they would use on your way in, which would like read bones, like it was like a bone scanner. That's how he described it. He didn't really. It was like it's kind of like a fingerprint sp scanner, but for your bones. And he talked about that. Um, well, why in, like, in case like an alien is trying to get in, this man. This is part of like identifying as you walk in. Oh, right. Um, and he talked about that 
in interviews in 1989. And then recently, uh, information about a hand scanner used at the Nellis military range was released and talked about the exact same scanners. <gasps> um, and they showed Bob being shown these for the first time. And he was like, oh my God, this is it. I've been trying to explain this to people for years. And it was the exact same scanner. Um, so like a lot of people think this kind of like proof oh, shit, of yeah. Bob's story. He says that he never saw or heard anything about living aliens, but he did see cadavers. Um, the nickname for the aliens in S4 were the kids, and oh, they were these little like because they they're really short. Ugh. Like the seats inside the crafts were really small, and so were the cadavers that he saw, like kid-sized cadavers. Uh-huh. That's a bad code name because if people hear it, they just think you're really fucking creepy. You've got a, you don't want people to be like, oh, you know, don't worry, we haven't got aliens. We just got shitloads of kids in yet. It's not well. It's not a code name. It's a nickname. Like in work, that's just what they'd call them. Wouldn't you just be taking every opportunity you can get to say the aliens? I would one hundred percent. Yeah. But it's America, and Americans are weird. Fucking fools. So they had. Like sciences that weren't understood yet on Earth. Um, like these machines were using gravity as movement to cause movement in vehicles. Like the way that we use propulsion to move is like basically you chuck stuff out the back to go forward. Whereas the alien craft was distorting space and gravity to move. Whoa. Yeah. And that was essentially Bob's job, but he couldn't really. Bob's job, <laughs> um, but he couldn't really figure it out, and that's what Element f- One Fifteen was largely involved in. And um, so this is an element which seems to like make gravity. Ooh. There is a like less than a minute version of um, a little clip of a tape, a tape of a cloud chamber test tape where, like light and clouds bending around this little part of this element and it's really weird Ooh. apparently only one less than a minute has been found of the tape i was like what the fuck happened to the rest of the tape yeah we're not gonna chop it up <coughs> but the guy who had it is just a reporter so maybe someone did mm. but you would just take the tape i don't understand i i don't know that bit all seemed a bit like yeah. a bit far-fetched and dramatic in the documentary i was watching yeah. so i don't know what happened there so the interviewer of the documentary I was watching directly asked Bob whether he had taken any of Element 115. Um, Bob insisted that they stopped recording, which they did. Ooh. And did, I think he talked to the um, interviewer himself. Taken it as in kept it or taken it as in eaten it? Kept. Ah. Taken it from. The day after he had that off the record conversation with the <coughs> reporter, did he die? The FBI raided his lab, <gasps> and when they did, they directly referenced the conversation he'd had with the interviewer the day before. So this like the, the interviewer. So this Bob is on phone being like, "Who did you talk to about last night?" They yeah. know exactly what was said. So he's been raided in the past, um, but this was immediately after talking about it and there seems to be some speculation as to whether element 115 is like the answer as to whether there are aliens in S4 because it's an alien element. When he was at S4 Bob says he was yelled and chanted at 
as a way of sort of like hypnosis and he can't remember a lot of things from his time what? there so I don't like that when he was no it's creepy isn't yeah, it yeah it's stressful um, since then he's done hypnosis with this guy called Lane Keck who is a famous hypnotist apparently um, to top five, yeah, yeah. easily. So he, he's been doing hypnosis to try and remember what he saw. During his hypnosis, he actually drew a reactor or something he'd seen, and when he woke up, he was like, oh my god, I remember this. This is yeah. But he drew it like sideways, so he drew it with his eyes closed and then looked in and was like, oh no, it goes that way. That's weird. Yeah. Ooh. Whether or not it's, I don't know how much of this is dramatized yeah. you know um, um but there's obviously there's all a, a speculation as to whether bob is legit after his time at s4 when afrid announced that that's what they were doing reporters would start sort of looking into bob and see uh, to corroborate his story to make sure he wasn't just some random farmer who was making shit up so they went to his lab where he worked and they reported having no record of a robert lazar ever working there um, but in the phone book at the set of the of that time, he was listed as an employee oh. of that company, so he obviously was there. And then they went back to the lab, and the lab were like, "No, genuinely, he's not. We've never had him here." What the fuck? So the records have been wiped oh. by the looks of things. Oh, I got a big old chill then. <laughs> um, and also the place, the company that the Navy had used to interview Bob, also had no record of him. <gasps> There's no record of his university degrees from t- Caltech and MIT, but obviously if he's worked in a lab, yeah, he's got to have those qualifications. Yeah, um, but there's absolutely no record of it, and he gets really irate in this thing. It's like I don't understand why people are questioning whether I've got <laughs> these degrees because I work in a lab. Like yeah, I, he currently works in a lab as well. Like how can I? How on earth would I have a job working yeah. in a laboratory if I hadn't? If I didn't have a degree astrophysics, <laughs> and yeah, um, but there's no record in MIT. But everyone who knows him is completely, completely behind him. There's no way you would lie about it. Like no one has gone. Oh, he's a bit weird though, isn't he? Yeah. Like everyone is completely in agreement. No one like, would believe either of us. It'd all be like that's exactly the kind of shit they make up. One hundred percent. I mean, this podcast isn't helping no, us. No, it's not. Um, at, at one point, Bob is arrested for something else for some involvement in a brothel. Marijuana, I reckon. <laughs> Sounds like a type Bob. No, like brothel stuff though. Oh, oh I'm, uh, I'm shooting for you, Bob. No, but he like. That's why I don't know. Wife. I don't know whether it was like. They didn't really go into it. I'm not oh, sure Bobby. whether it was a true claim or... Yeah, maybe. They um, set him up in the most mm. embarrassing way possible. But the courts couldn't find any of the information about Bob either, so they couldn't find any confirmation of his work and environment and oh. his qualifications. <clears throat> and that would have been the perfect time for Bob to come clean because yeah. he was right under the... Ra- like, he was being... The light was shone on him and everyone was like, well... Yeah just confessed that you've made this up and he's stuck by his story for the entire thing even though he, at, he, at that point it's he could have been going to like prison for yeah. a very long time shit mm. so he saw a polygraph a, a polygraph or a polygrapher I think it's polygraph polygraph <laughs> um, and put through four tests after that he was sent to more polygra- polygraphers and every, I, th- I think he had three different polygraphers do like four tests each and every single one showed no incentive to lie. 
and Bob knew things about stuff that you wouldn't know otherwise like I said about the bone scanner but he knew that S4 existed he knew about the company that hired people to work there he knew things about Elmont 115 um, he knew something about this guy called Thigpen who did a background check Ooh. and Thigpen is an actual person who remembers Bob Lazar and remembers doing his background checks uh, yeah um, he would say that like they would fly ships that look like flying saucers over, over Papoose Lake every Wednesday and he would take people out to watch and things would be spotted every time he went there and he wouldn't have known about that happening on yeah. a Wednesday night if he didn't work there so and um, before that there was no stories before Bob started taking people out there there were no stories yeah and, um, t- test flights out there so like there's loads of evidence suggesting that Bob is telling the truth and the cover-ups aren't particularly convincing no. either because obviously like there's that phone book which proves he was still there yeah um, Bob is like really adamant like sometimes he d- it took him ages to do all these interviews because sometimes he just doesn't want to talk about it yeah but it's like they were really weird stuff like really advanced technology and he didn't like talking about and like I haven't got that much information about what he did there because he doesn't like talking yeah. about that because he was like well why would you it was like living in a nightmare yeah and he can't remember half of it because of all these yeah. like, hypnosis and stuff but he he says that Area Fifty One is suppressing extremely advanced technology and unknown science, and he believes it's crime to hide another civilization from everyone. Yeah, he doesn't understand why it has to be classified in the first place. Yeah, which is why he told. Ooh. Yeah, that's Bob, Bob Lazar and Area Fifty One. Oh, I love Bob Lazar. He's great. I'm gonna be googling. You should him. you should watch that documentary yeah. in the background when you're doing stuff. It's um. Bob Lazar, Area 51, and Flying Saucers, it's called. Okay. I'm writing that as we speak. Like, it's a bit, you know, it's really dramatic and stuff, but all that stuff with him and, like, You'd want it to be, though, wouldn't you? You don't want him to be like, yeah, I work there. I know mostly just working on fans and stuff, you know? But he did loads of interviews in the late 80s on TV, which, like, I think after he'd come out with it, he was like, well, at this point, I'm kind of at risk. Yeah. So I'm going to just keep talking. Yeah, get it all out. So that if anything happens to me, it's going to look more shitty. Yeah. And he said that at one point, um, they had interviewed one of his neighbours. And they would say that Bob would ask him to bring his Uzi out when they went out driving. Because people would be shooting at his car. Fuck. Whether that's... Oh, my God. Yeah, and his, his wife is just so nice. Aww. She's like, yeah, well, of course he's telling the truth. It's Bob. Aww. What about life? And you get so upset. Like, obviously, the reporter's job is to sort yeah. of be like, well, how Listen, do you explain yeah. this then? And he, but he'd be like, he'd get really upset. Like, why would I lie? Yeah. And he'd be so defensive about Aww. it. I want to be... Um, uh, area 51 whistleblower's wife. Yeah. Yeah? Or an Area 51 whistleblower. That'd be cool. That's trying to encourage my kids to be. 
Yeah, all these whistleblowers coming out about Donald Trump. Where are yeah. they? They whistleblowers. Sure. I don't already know too much about him. I don't want anymore. <laughs> We're done with that. That's yeah. all news. Oh, that was Don't good. stop whistleblowing, people. Let's keep whistleblowing. Yeah, blow them whistles. Blow them all. Yeah. That was very good. I enjoyed that. I'm a little bit jealous. I wanted to do Area 51. You stole it from me. I didn't know. I thought you knew I was doing it. No, I thought you were doing the moon landings. Well, now I'm going to have to I'm very glad that you did next. I'm glad that you did this instead. It's our first aliens. Yeah. Like, we mentioned aliens, yeah. but we've not done aliens. And this is fucking dead alien. Aliens is our jam. Yeah. Oh. This is a very, um... Very daddy episode of daddy. Oh, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> do you have an interest in history? Or does school just not really do it for you? Did your teacher get arrested for stealing from Debenhams? If any of these is true, then listen to I Don't Know History. Every other Tuesday, brought to you by PodMage.com, where I, Alex, will be teaching... Me, RJ. ...all about history. For example, RJ, can you name me three Tudor monarchs? Uh... Listen to I Don't Know History, where you can learn a little bit more about history too. Available on all good podcasting platforms. Can you um, finish this list for me, Beth, then? Scott. John. George. Ringo. Paul. Wrong. (gasps) Billy Shears. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck is happening? This is the story of the death and rebirth of Paul McCartney. Ooh! I know nothing about this. I'm about to you are. continue. The object of the podcast <laughs> is that I will teach you. I am ready to learn. <laughs> I will ask questions where appropriate. <laughs> Great. The Oxford English Dictionary describes Paul McCartney. <laughs> um. I yeah. I want. I wanted to do this before. Like Paul actually died because it'd be a bollock to fucking research that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just get in early. Yeah, just get in early. Preemptively. If he um, dies, like tomorrow, I am blaming you. Entirely. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have to do what I have to do, okay? Um, so, <laughs> for, for, to, to begin, to introduce you to the Beatles. I'm, I'm sorry, who? Uh, the the Beatles. The Beatles. Beatles. <laughs> I've never heard of them. I'm going to have to go into my it's, notes it was because David I made Bowie one of them. research. <laughs> I researched a conspiracy. I made him do the background work. Um, it's, well, just in case people didn't know who the Beatles were. Yeah, okay. yeah, I got him to write me a full essay about who the Beatles are. Um, and we give our happened. editor the best jobs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. He's not even paid. Um, <laughs> to be fair, neither are we. So. No, I know, but we... We don't do any work, we make Jack do it all, so... Excuse me, I um, turn up. That's fair, she does, she does. Um, Once a month. Like so I set, I've set myself a little note to remind everyone before I start that John Lennon was a twat. So now that that's out the way, um, in 1957, a 16-year-old John Lennon formed a skiffle band. A what? A skiffle band. I'm excited to learn about the Beatles. I love the music of That's the Beatles. That's why I did them, because I knew you liked them. It's been really hard to hide it, though, because I've just been playing them non-stop. And I don't really like the Beatles that much. So if I can see this, she's going to know something's up. So I've been like, I've, I've gone fucking 
feral about it. I'm like, <laughs> get my fucking privacy on, on Spotify. She can't see. What if she sees my YouTube I, I didn't know that you didn't like the video. I would have guessed that you didn't like them, but I wouldn't have known that. So Why? That felt like a dig. You call me a hipster. <laughs> that was not a dig. I was just saying, like, you're unpredictable. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been able to assume that. Okay. Um, I do I do like them to be fair I just think they're overrated um, anyway just gonna leave the hang in the air for yeah. a moment <laughs> um, so skiffle band by the way is when they like you know like back in the 50s when they used to like play the like the rednecks used to play the bins and shit yeah not like ninja but like when they have like a washboard and stuff. Ninja is a Cardiff a local crazy Cardiff man. Skiffle, skiffle man. Um, and they were called the Black Jacks with uh, fellow pupils from Quarry Bank High School. And you should remember that one because if you're ever in if you're ever in a in a pub quiz and they're like, what was the original name of the Beatles? They'll think the answer is um, the Quarrymen, <laughs> which is what everyone thinks their first name is, but it was the Blackjacks. So, ooh. Uh, so a week later, they changed their name to the Quarrymen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is where I've got to get into the research I made Jack do, because here's the thing: I researched them myself, their history, right? But then I read back over it, and I realised all I'd done was research their name changes throughout their career. <laughs> I hadn't actually researched anything else. So, John, you know, fuck it, I'm just going to... You know who the Beatles are, so I'm just going to tell you about their name changes, right? They were the Quarrymen, I assume, in a very clever homage to their school. That summer, John's bandmate, Ivan Vaughan... A homage. A homage. <laughs> uh, Ivan Vaughan introduced him to his friend, Paul McCartney. Might have heard of him. Uh, not, not a clue. No. But, uh, more often known as Billy Shears. 15-year-old Paul joined the Quarrymen on guitar. That's a lie. He originally played someone else. No, he played the guitar man on the bass, I think. I don't know. It's not like I fucking read about this or anything. And on the 18th of October, 57, I don't know what instrument he played, but I know what day he played his first gig with them. So, in the new Club More Hall. In mid-58, George Harrison joined the band and the group recorded their first demo. As of late 59, this is a speed read-through, by the way, <laughs> because we all know who the fucking Beatles are. All of the additional members had left, with John, Paul, and George remaining. It was this lineup that auditioned for the show TV Star Search under the name Johnny and the Moon Dogs, which is a great name. That was a fantastic name. Yeah, which I well, oh my next sentence is, which I personally think is their best name. But well done, me. I thoroughly <laughs> agree. Maybe if they'd stuck with that, they might have actually found some success. Oh, you're a comedian. <laughs> In January 1960. God damn it, passport is so, <laughs> You think it's so damn funny. In January 1960, beautiful, beautiful Stu Sutcliffe joined the band. <laughs> uh, suggested a name change. The Beatles. B-E-A-T-A-L-S. Just for shits and giggles, John and Paul also did a gig at the Fox and Hounds in Caversham that year as the Nook Twins. See what I mean? It's just all about names. That, that wasn't even <laughs> the band, it was just John and Paul. Uh, the group then performed as the Silver Beatles for a while, and by the end of 62, Marco was on bass where he belonged. Then drummer Pete Best had been switched out for Ringo Starr. Beautiful, beautiful Stu Sutcliffe had done her death. Died. Even. <laughs> and legendary manager Brian Epstein had taken the reins. 
Beatlemaniacs, if any of that is wrong, take it up with Richard Olaf of richardolifsblog.wordpress.com. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> now oh, we're I in just like. Need a minute. <laughs> You're reading your notes and with just absolute hatred for your own words. I've been writing this for so long. This is brand new information to me now. I've forgotten it all. Um, in 1967... Oh, okay. That's quite the jump, Portia. Um, <laughs> Ten years on. <laughs> okay, where were we? 62. Fuck, what happened for those five years? <laughs> Who knows? So anyway, so... Um, so then I know they... Played in Hamburg for a bit, <laughs> and they were pretty successful. Did a few gigs with Silver Black stuff. So then they got famous, right? <laughs> this is going great. Um, and then in 1967, a Beatles fan magazine called the Beatles Book Monthly wrote a short paragraph mentioning that Paul had been involved in an auto accident. However, they also had to dispel the rumor that he had died. Because people were like, well, if his car's crashed, how can yeah, he survive? he's dead. He's, yeah, he's the small one. He's obviously dead. He can't survive. You know? <laughs> can I just, before you continue? No, I feel like it's going to be critical. It's not at all. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I just realised that the first time I was ever that familiar with who the Beatles were was when um, Ned Flanders was like a massive Beatles fan of The Simpsons. <laughs> and he had that basement full of Beatles memorabilia. And he was like, of course that. I am. Of course I am. They were like, yeah, I didn't know you were a Beatles fan. I was like, of course I am. They were bigger than Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> and that's, that's all. I, I only just made that connection that I that's how that. I know. <laughs> That's like the first influence I've they my, had. I've made a little list at the start of reasons why John Lennon's a bell end, and that's in there. Well, that's yeah. Number one is oh, that's number one. Number one, number one is the bigger than Jesus comment. Number two is he's ableist because there's videos of him fucking mocking someone with a disability. Number three is he used to call Brian Epstein the fag Jew, but it was just a joke. So. Yeah, it's fine. it's fine if it was just a joke. Number four is that lyric where he's all, I used to kick the shit into my hole, but now I'm nice. You know, he was the one, you know he was the one who wrote that. <laughs> I don't what? even know what lyric that is. <laughs> what song is that? Oh, Portia. Can I Google it? I d I'm going to go out on a limb and say that's probably not the actual lyric. <laughs> yeah, that's right? why I want to find out. I used to kick... I know which one it is. Um, oh, it's getting better all the time. I, oh, he's like, I used to kick the shit out of my woman, but now I don't. Or something. Search the lyrics to It's Getting Better All the Time. It's that song. Number five, he brought Yoko Ono into all of our lives. And number six, <laughs> number six is just Yoko equal, equals Ongo Gablugian. <laughs> okay. I should, I should do this more often. I should start writing it and then leave in months. I used to be cruel to my woman. I beat her and kept her apart from the things that she loved. Man, I was mean, but I'm changing my scene. There we go. And I'm doing the best that I can. There we go. If anyone prick. wrote that, it was fucking John, wasn't it? Fucking John, you prick. Song like it's John Paul. You stupid little ratty face. I fucking load the block. But he did do one of the best Christmas songs. No. Paul's was better. 
Elton's was superior. <laughs> what about Queen's, thank God it's Christmas? <laughs> no, that's inferior to all of them. Sorry. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm away. Um, I mean, Wham beat them all, so... Rude Sanka. The wizard. Yeah. Oh, yeah, wizard's up there. Um, I mean, obviously, obviously, Pogues and Goose McCall beats everyone, but... Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, no, 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 no. He's, he's, no. he's allowed to say the F words because it's only a joke when he says it, but not when John Lennon says it. Uh, okay. He's just playing into the stereotype. Exactly. It's, it's a story. John's in a story. He just used to insult their manager. Prick. Okay. So, <laughs> we're not mine. Okay. So. This was in 1967. Oh, this looks promising. I finished the paragraph with however, comma, and then <laughs> thinking it's going to be a big God, chunk We are going to be here listen. for a while. <laughs> so I'm going to do that again. So in 1967, a Beatles fan magazine called Beatles Book Monthly wrote a short paragraph, that's hard to say, wrote a short paragraph mentioning that Paul had been involved in an automobile accident uh, on the 7th of January, but they had to dispel the rumour that he had died. Um, were horses still like scary metal uh, were horses were cars still <laughs> scary metal horses back then <laughs> were horses still were scary like, metal cars were people scared of scary cars scary fresh cars in the 60s no you sure because I feel like this is like oh my god he crashed this metal horse he must well, they be were, dead. they were most likely less safe um, less safety things yeah but he survived so they couldn't be that no but they, most people probably would have assumed he had died because it's right. Harder he was small. to survive. He was a small man. Because the way that you know, the way the cars crumple and things like that, all that's he quite new. They are, so they have got a habit of crumpling. Um, and he was the cute one. Cute people die easier. <laughs> I find. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I died four times this week. Just too damn adorable. Uh, in okay. By the way, can I just say right? I this man yesterday matched with me on a dating thing and he sent me a message and it was on the one where you can like comment send comments to people you can comment on the pictures and stuff and he commented on a picture and he I was like, like how you're not using the name of the app because this is not sponsored <laughs> <laughs> and also I don't want anyone to find me on there um and he was like uh oh you know what I like about this is you know this is really what do you call me like goofy or something like dorky something like that and he was like most girls you know in their pictures, they're like serious and they look like models, but like you are different. I was like, you bitch, thank you so much. <laughs> I, if there is one thing I would hate is for someone to think I look like a model. Like, God forbid. <laughs> Fucking prick. Don't compliment Almost people if I tell them they're not models, <laughs> listeners. That's not how you get into a girl's bed. Certainly not mine. Tell me I'm a model. <laughs> you tell me I'm a model. <laughs> Okay, so... You were, like, shivering when you said that. I about not being a model. I was under the illusion that I was one of the worldwide booties. Uh, okay, so... Um, that was that. It was, like, this tiny little entry in their little Beetle Book Monthly. It was, like, one paragraph, and it was just, like, fear not, right? Paul's still with us. Chill. But in, in November 1969, two years later... Rumours started recirculating across US college campuses. You know what US college people are like. I find it so weird. I mean, the big girls are from Liverpool and 
Yeah, they were fucking huge. Yeah, America. I know. I know they broke America, but that's it's just I find it weird because it was so long ago. I yeah. just find it really bizarre. Yeah. How did word? There was no internet. How did word travel over the? There was no airplanes either. How did it get over to I America? Know, they were just those scary metal oh, birds shouting <laughs> across the sea. Listen to the Beatles. No, guy. Are they dead? Okay. Phone, like cups and string. Yeah. <laughs> really long string. So much so, the college radio DJ Russ Gibb was asked by a caller to play songs which the caller um, believed contained hidden messages. So he was like, right. Okay. So Russ Gibb died in May this year, by the way. Just oh. pop that in there. Um, and he was, he, I mean, he was quite, he's, he's well known, not, he was a musician as well, but he, he was quite well known because he essentially started this and it was a big thing. So he did that, he played a couple of songs and a guy called Fred Laborde was listening, who was a college student and he was a journalist and he'd been given the task of reviewing the band's new album, Abbey Road. Um, so he heard this and he decided that he'd frame the review as like an investigative piece instead. So he started looking into these clues in the songs. So the story was published on the 14th of October in the university newspaper. That's my birthday. What? It's my birthday. Yes, I knew that. (laughs) (laughs) I did. Um, (laughs) It was published on the 14th of October in the university newspaper. I don't know why university, don't really care. It was quickly picked up by many other papers in the US and UK and soon the Beatles management office was receiving nearly 3,000 calls a day to check that Paul was still alive. You know, just like, oh yeah, it's Paul alright? Yeah, <laughs> cool. Just checking in. ta um, So initially the band found it amusing. Um, Paul just refused to like engage. He was like, I'm just going to leave it to die down on its own. But they took that as him not res- disputing it then so that yeah. just like added he's not said anything so he must be dead yeah that's exactly <laughs> what a dead man would say nothing <laughs> so at one point life magazine it, it was like huge and it was huge in america it was huge in britain and it was like and, and i mean america in america college radio is like an actual it's big deal thing, isn't it? so like if that that in itself would have gone crazy but then with the art the newspaper article and all of that it just went like insane really fast so um it got to the point where life magazine sent reporters to trespass on paul's farm in scotland um to try and get a scoop paul came out and shook water at them all and then he was like oh shit i'm the cute one that's gonna make me look like the angry Less one who like shucks water one. at people instead <laughs> so he's like right i'll give you i'll give you an um an interview in return for the negatives so they can't publish photos. So <laughs> I just really want to see the photos because in my head they're just all stills of him like <laughs> and, like water gushing out of him. Isn't it a cold cold cute? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I had a stroke okay. cute Paul. <laughs> just move on. <laughs> running around going I'm not cute oh no shit I meant to be the cute one <laughs> that's my brand <laughs> um, so so he did this interview with Life magazine and it was such a big deal that in this interview he actually said the Beatles thing is pretty much over and nobody 
gave a shit because they were more interested in the fact that he confirmed he was alive. They were all like, okay, yeah, the Beatles are breaking up, whatever. Paul's alive. Great. <laughs> um, a lot of people thought that the, band's, the band and their record label were behind it because what came of it was a lot of people buying two of every record because they were playing the, the albums backwards, which was destroying them, so they'd mm-hmm. buy a spare. So, like, they made a fucking mint out of it. But they were... They were not impressed. They had like the the guy who was their press manager gave some quote. I haven't got it exactly, but he was he was basically like um, the new rumor should be that um, that the the British public's intelligence is dead and they <laughs> they've had a stand-in who's who's a fake brain or some shit like that. I was try, <laughs> trying to make a really terrible comparison into a bit bitchy comment. Um, so anyway, so you are the clues. So the clues. The clues. So they went back because obviously this was sixty nine, but they thought that he had died in sixty seven. And what they think happened was, Paul had had two car crashes. Clearly not a great driver. In and and they, they kind of overlapped. And in one of them, um, he'd been a bit hurt, and he's got like a scar on his thing. That's why he grew a moustache and stuff. And then the other one, he was fine. But because they kind of overlapped, people were taking reports from each and getting them confused. And they kind of thought it was just one huge crash. Um, so because it started in 67, so in 67, Sergeant Peppers had just come out. Um, <clears throat> so that was where they started looking for clothes. Um, so the picture, the cover, this is going to be a lot of me describing the album covers because this is not a very visual media. So Sergeant Peppers is the one where it's like a big blue and pink and yellow thing. We've all got the, those jackets on, like, like <laughs> You're doing an gay My Chemical Romance. And uh, I think you'll find flowers. that My Chemical Romance is straight the Beatles. Um, <laughs> so it's it's the Beatles yeah. in the... Um, in their like jackets an and they've got all weird, all fake people cut and paste in behind them so um th- this is supposed to be a funeral so the <laughs> if you look at paul by you there's a hand above paul's head which is uh, that that some people think it's a british comedian called izzy brown um and that the hand signifies death in eastern mysticism um, others believe that the hand belongs to a man called Stephen Crane, um, not Stephen Crane from Haunting of Hill House. Um, Stephen Crane, who wrote a short story called The Open Boat, which is based on his experience of surviving a shipwreck. Of the four characters on board the doomed ship, only when a man named Billy, the strongest of the four, died. Incidentally, Stephen Crane also died in his 20s, and this trend of tragic death applied to a number of the characters on the front cover, including Jane Mansfield, who was decapitated in a car crash. I didn't explain that, actually. Um, So what they thought happened was that he was in the car with another woman called Rita, um, and she survived. He smashed into a tree, um, chopped his head off, basically, of course, because if he was going to die, it would have to be the most dramatic way possible. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's why Jane Mansfield is, you know, worth mentioning. Um, the instrument he's holding, a cor anglais, is the only black only black weapon I've written. <laughs> the only black instrument, which apparently also symbolises death in Eastern mysticism. Not only is it black, but it is also wooden, which of course is reminiscent of the most wooden object of all, a coffin. 
So that is the most wooden object. Yeah, all the wooden things. It's more wooden uh, than a tree. In the center of the page is a drum. If you put a mirror across where it says lonely hearts, um, it shows number one and then the word one and then the number one and an X and he die. Um, which could be taken to mean the one and the one means 11 as in November and then the one X meaning nine in Roman numerals. So the uh, November the 9th, which is when he was supposed to die. Oh God, I'm all breath. I'm so confused. Um, I'm not confused. I'm just overwhelmed. What? I'm overwhelmed. Oh, okay. <laughs> An alternative interpretation of the drum is that one 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 X he die means that three of the four Beatles are left, with the die. So, um, I don't know what it'd be actually. Oh, I think it's the Y makes a diamond when you put a mirror there, and the diamond's pointing at him. At the bottom of the page is what looks like a freshly dug grave with a floral wreath in the shape of a left-handed guitar. Guess who was a left-handed guitarist? Bethan. Oh my God! It was John. Oh. No, Which of us was incorrect? <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you four guesses. <laughs> Not only that, but if you stand on your head and squint, the flowers look like they either spell Paul or just a big ass P. That that wasn't my. I didn't work that out. That was told to me. Am I turning the album upside down for that? I don't. No, I think. Wait, let me see. Oh, uh, maybe. Like that's a P. But like, yeah. Um. Wait, I've got a picture where they point it out. But I, yeah, I should have said beforehand that some of these are just so convoluted and really. I mean, like you had me with that Coronglay. Um. Yeah. No, I really can't make out how it says Paul, but it supposedly does. Fine. All right. Okay. So, next one. Oh, fucking hell! The poo's crashing now. In the bottom right hand corner. Is a creepy as fuck old lady statue thingy, all dressed in black. She's wearing a blood-stained driving glove. Almost like she's been driving and then bled. Much like someone who'd had their head chopped off in a car would do. On her lap is an equally creepy as fuck Shirley Temple doll. Yeah. Wearing a Welcome the Rolling Stones jumper. So this was supposedly a thank you to the Rolling Stones for helping with the cover up and also a bit of a sorry for nicking their place as the biggest band in the world <laughs> um, yeah, it was not John's idea <laughs> probably leaned against the creepy kid's leg is a toy Aston Martin this was the car that young Paul was supposedly driving when he had his little slip up the interior <laughs> little is slip red. up where he died <laughs> the interior is red because it's chock full of blood okay where am I looking leaning against the kid's leg oh right, yeah Next to Old Lady Creepsville is a TV. The TV is switched off supposedly to represent the suppression of news reports. That is a bit of a stretch. That is a bit <laughs> of a stretch. Um, so on the gatefold, so if you like opened up the record, um, there's a picture of the band. Paul is with us this. Paul is wearing a patch which says OPD. Um, theorists claim this stood for officially pronounced dead, which is of course the British equivalent of the popular fallout boy song Dead on Arrival. But oh. um, turns out Paul was like, Well the fuck? And then he was like, Oh no, actually, I bought that in Canada. It actually says Ontario OPP. Please. 
and it's oh. the because he was like oh no I born in Canada it's the um oh shit what's the a Canadian police department Ontario 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 Police Department and then people were like but there is no Ontario Police Department that's not what they called and that but then it turns out it says OPP and it's Ontario Police Precinct I think okay so yeah um so it has got the, an English flag on it though to be fair yeah that's because they put the common off no? oh yeah yeah um, Fine, I'll take it. On the back, because the English love to claim everything for their own. On the back of the album shows a band shot on a red background with the album lyrics laid over the top, overlaid on top. On the back, oh fucking hell, <laughs> of, of the band, Paul is the only one with his back to us. That is suspicious to me because as an extremely living person who has vast experience of being alive i've never once turned my back to face anything ever <laughs> and i in turn have never seen anyone's back while they've been alive never. only ever when i visited dead relatives also on said back there are three black buttons one for each morning member of the band so why what, what business would a living person have having buttons on their jacket no but right? the black i think you missed the main part of that oh, they wouldn't like a coffin though they are also coron glaze <laughs> <laughs> and that's the mind <laughs> um so s- <laughs> <laughs> speaking of paul <laughs> speaking of paul he looks a lot taller than the rest of the band perspective you say man ascending to the heavens i say <laughs> You know, we tell them about when we get older. Is he actually taller? Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's. He's taller in literally every single photo. Yeah, and also he's at the front because he's bigger than everyone else as well. He's like stockier. Well, he's clearly sitting on a fucking table while everyone else is standing in the centrefold. Yeah. Correct. Um, (laughs) Ringo just looks. Oh, he's so pointless and you love him. Oh, no. He's got hair like that greasy kids who, who like wouldn't commit to being emo but he just wouldn't get a haircut in yeah. school but don't be mean to Ringo and he's just so ugly his nose Leave his eyes <laughs> his mouth I hate him and his head is so small <laughs> I can't look at him get her away from me now <laughs> he is not supermodel let me tell him speaking of Paul no we've done that one if we take a look at the lyrics George's hand find George's hand please is pointing towards the words Wednesday morning at five o'clock from the song She's Leaving Home, one of my favourite Beale songs. This was supposedly the time when the crash took place. So, mm. uh, Wednesday morning at five o'clock. Who, though? As like, the day begins. What? Like, are, are, are these from official crash reports? Or well, here's have the they thing, gone, right? maybe, they, maybe this is when it happened. I probably should have told you this sooner, really, the story of the crash. Um, so basically, what supposedly happened was they were at um, a recording session in the studio, and John and Paul had a big argument. Paul sped off in his Aston Martin, crashed into a tree because it was cold and he hit ice or whatever. So I I watched the documentary right, and it was called The Last Will and Testament of, wait, which one was it? <laughs> Ringo, I think. Maybe George. I don't know. They're all the same person, really. Any? Um, they're all white. So well, Ringo's still alive. Yeah, yeah, no, they all were at the time. Okay. But it was basic. No, it was which one? Which one of them? Um, it must have been Ringo. Um, he got stabbed. Was that George? I think it was George. 
it might have been George then, he got stabbed and it was supposedly when he was in hospital after he got stabbed, he was like, right, I'm going to write down everything that happened with Paul and make it known because I've realised the life's really short and I want people to know about it. So this documentary, he was talking about it and it, it seemed, it made sense. It was all making sense. And then he was describing the when that happened and they got the call in the studio that he'd crashed and they, they were like, can you come and identify him? You're the closest people to him. So they went down and they showed him the body and his head had basically been, it'd been decapitated but it'd also been mangled. So did, and his, minute, did George write this, that this happened? He was narrating letters basically. Okay. Um, that he had written while he was in hospital. Okay, so he wrote and the he was talking out. about it, and he was saying, "Is he was so mangled that his teeth had like come through his cheek," and the police officer said, "He looks a bit like a walrus." And John started going crazy, saying, "He's not the walrus. I am the walrus." And at this point, I thought, "I don't think this is a legit documentary." And I looked it up, and it was a spoof. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that's what it took for me to figure that out. Um, so, <laughs> it's supposed to be like having me. You're telling me that yeah. one of the Beatles has well, confirmed I, this. I was like, how is this not bigger news? <laughs> I hope I just stumbled upon this on YouTube. This is incredible. I'm going to sell this story. I was very excited. Um, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I stopped watching it at that point. So I was like, I was actually enjoying it, but I was like, I feel so deceived. <laughs> it's too good. <laughs> and yeah, it was. It was this terrible, <laughs> this terrible Liverpoolian accent as well, and I thought, oh, perhaps he just got someone else to, so you know, do the accent for authenticity. But he didn't want to read it himself, you know. So, I, I, I was gutted. Um, but yeah, so that was like the supposed story, basically. Um, but then, so the conspiracy theorists believe that MI five were involved, and they were like, hang on now, if if he dies like Beatlemania was fucking nuts I mean I'm sure everyone does know but if you don't know like Beatlemania was it's just teenage girls would piss themselves at concerts and things like they were insane um and they were like this could genuinely cause like mass hysteria it could cause mass suicides in teenage girls they had a fucking open suicide call lines when take that split up so if Paul McCartney died at his prime you can see that where they're coming from. So they were like, "You can. <laughs> there's only one thing for you. You're gonna have to find someone who looks like him and pretend he's still alive, like a goldfish." So, <laughs> um, so they supposedly held a lookalike competition. Why did we think it wasn't a good idea to explain this at the start <laughs> of the topic? This is literally the whole story. They held a lookalike competition. Um, found an a Scottish orphan. I think he was Scottish, called Billy Shears. Okay, now, because I, I was wondering where yeah. she is, what's going to happen to it? And he, and they just gave him some training, they gave him minor plastic surgery, they uh, they sort of taught him Paul's mannerisms and things like that and how to play the songs. And they were just about to release Sgt. Peppers, which was obviously a new look for them. They all had, like, moustaches and they got lost the bowl cuts and all of that and they didn't have the suits anymore. They all had these weird, like, outfits. So they thought this is a great time to introduce him in. Like he looks slightly different so people won't pick up on, you know. So that's supposedly what happened. And then this Billy Shears became, took over Paul McCartney's life. Um, so, now, so then we get to the, <laughs> the clues. So 
magical mystery tour then um <laughs> i did have the dates but i brought my head in and i wrote i wrote um Sergeant Pepper came out in May 67 and then I copied that and pasted it for all the other headings and just left the dates the same so I've got every album comes out in November 1967 <laughs> so I don't it's know it's a very productive month for <laughs> <laughs> um, so the cover is equally as surreal as Sergeant Pepper's so it shows the band on a layered colourful background dressed as animals with the words Beatles written in stars the animals are all white bar one Paul McCartney is dressed in black and holding a crucifixion pose, um, which everyone was like, holy shit, that's gonna mean he's dead, right? Because Inuits consider whatever animal that is to be a sign of death. It's a, very clearly a walrus and a monkey. But you used to think, though. together as one, and now he has hooves. Uh, John was the walrus. Wasn't even Paul, so... Oh. That's that out the window. Um, if you flip the image upside down, the letters in the stars appear to read 5371038. There are a number of rumours about what you will find should you call this number. That is not a no. I'm just going to put that out there. There is an A upside down. Yeah, I know. I could see that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, what are the theories? Sorry, I am, no. I'm in full debunk mode. Oh yeah, I've been in that mode for a month. <laughs> um, so one rumour suggests that if you call the number at the time the album was released, you were, it would direct you to a funeral home. Another claims that it's Billy Shear's personal phone number, because why wouldn't you pull that on the front of an album, right? <laughs> it's weird that they picked someone whose number looks exactly like the Beatles spelled, but it's yeah. spelled upside down on the back. I know, it's well. impressive, isn't it? Uh, the things you can do when you've got links at Vodafone. Um, it's also been said that if you call the number at 5am or p.m. on a Wednesday, because if you recall, Wednesday, time, 5 o'clock, Holly popped it, you would receive a recorded message alluding to Paul's death. Um, I actually rang it the other day. Um, I got this weird, like, pre-recorded thing that said the number you've dialed has not been recognised, so. Oh my god. What does that mean? You know, who, you know who else they didn't recognise? The right? matched up walrusy face of Paul McCartney. As yeah, according to George Harrison's very, very real, definitely happened letters. Exactly. So, you know. Confirmed! It's the first one we've confirmed as a podcast. <laughs> Boom. Stamped. Should you purchase a US version of the LP, you would receive a 26-page bucket. Bo- <laughs> a nice big bucket. A 26-page booklet full of glossy photos. The photos include... On Please. Page, I, yeah. Cool. No. 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 I will look at those On later. pages 14, 15, 18 and 24 are four examples of hands held over Paul's head. Because... Yeah. We know what that means. Right. On page 5, a photo of Paul behind the words, I was... I've got that one, actually. I've got the booklet. I downloaded the booklet to have a look at it. Uh, in case you couldn't imagine what that would look like, you know? I'm glad you did. Yeah. I'll show you after. And um, what was the message supposed to say on the phone? Oh, there's a couple of different ones. Well, when you when you ring that number, it could just give you a random message alluding to Paul's death. Yeah, well, I don't know exactly what it says. Oh. But, yeah. So, in the gatefold for that, um, 
there's a photo of the band performing outdoors. Out of the Outdoors members. is where he died. What? Yeah. Shit! <laughs> Damn good on your nose. Um Paul is the only one not wearing his shoes. Instead, he's wearing black socks with his shoes next to him. And while I can't see it personally, they're apparently bloodstained. So I have got the picture here. Oh. Yeah, they are just just shoes, aren't they? Bloodstained. A paza. So that's Hang on a minute, why food for thought. Right? Why are the, why are his shoes bloodstained? Because he had his head cut off in an automobile accident. Okay. I wanna know why I... the drum the drama art looks like it's been done in paint. Probably has. Um in MS paint, I mean. Yeah, it definitely has. That's exactly what I thought you meant. <laughs> I thought I thought Ringo wasn't wearing shoes. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, I've got green feet. No, but he can have green socks anymore. <laughs> <laughs> don't, uh, don't, don't that look like a toe poking through? I think, I think Ringo's I, dead. <laughs> <laughs> he died in a swamp. He's got trench foot. <laughs> uh, so I, want, I want John's weird, like, ski jacket, though. <laughs> That's it. John John just looks like such a nerd, doesn't he? <laughs> Do you just want to punch the shit out of his face. Are you, so does not wearing shoes mean you're dead? Then? Yeah. A shoe's a sign of life. Well, have you ever taken your shoes off as an alive person? I'm currently not wearing shoes. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean you're dead. I think I think um, Paul said it was it's like a mafia thing apparently. That it represents death. Okay, it's so it's, mafia is not true. a religion, though, is it? Or like, so why why would they think that? I don't know, but apparently it means death. Uh, so and on page twenty three, Paul is the only one wearing a black flower, which again symbolizes death. Of course it does. So if we go to the white album, mm-hmm. not a lot to look at really. Just a shitload of white, you know, yeah. uh, hence the name. But the white album comes with a poster. Ah, that's what this is, okay. Which apparently includes, A, the only known photo of, wait for my fantastic wordplay, pre-pollination Billy Shears. Ooh, uh, Which is, uh, uh, oh wait, is that it? No. For people uh, playing along at home, he's, it's a picture where he's got like glasses. Uh, Paul obviously looks like Paul, but he's got like glasses and a moustache. He looks like a weird businessman. It's uh, that picture there. Oh, okay. Is so that? that's what Billy, lo- Billy the orphan looked like. Yeah, before he was pollinated. Uh, but not only that. There is also a theory that this photo here mm-hmm. is an autopsy picture of the mortician washing Paul. That is 100% what happens. Well, exactly. I mean, I love that they give corpses bubble baths for a start. Uh, I also <laughs> love that they've allowed baptized. him to wash his own hair with his arms. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, it's important to retain your independence as a corpse, I find. Um, and and I love how unmangled his face is for a man who's been decapitated. Yeah. He's I looking mean, great for a dead Yeah, why are they head. washing his body Cut. if he hasn't got one? <laughs> <laughs> why 
Wait, his head's not on his body. They don't need to be washed at they the same time. They him in the sink. He doesn't need to be in a bath. Fucking hell. So, uh, so yeah, in the yeah in the top, the very top left-hand corner, if you're looking at the poster, listeners, you'll see an autopsy, legit autopsy photo of young Paul McCartney. He's having a really death. nice time in that bath. He is. Isn't he? he looks more relaxed than I've ever seen him in life. Oh, and there it is. Yeah. That's all the confirmation I need. Yeah. So if we now cast our eyes to Abbey Road, this is possibly the most famous, I'd say, of the Paul is dead conspiracy clues. So essentially, oh, the Yellow Submarine didn't really have anything to give us. But this oh, one is just, just chilling in the top of this picture. Oh, yeah, I, I did include it. Why did I include it? Oh, yeah, basically, all this in Yellow Submarine is he's got a hand over Paul's head again. Oh, so, And also, I wanted to fill up the page. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so, in Abbey Road, Abbey Road gets his own page because it's special. Um, this is a funeral procession, supposedly. So, we've got um, John in, in my. Sorry, in my. Uh, Word for word, John is at the front dressed in white to depict Jesus, obviously the self-righteous twat. Um, there he is, look. Yeah, I thank you. Living the Jesus life. Next up, we have Ringo, who is dressed in black, as only an undertaker does. As only, no one has ever worn black. Never. When they're not undertaker. In my teens, I never donned a, a black like young romance hoodie which was stolen from me in some big slapping knife <laughs> um very angry about that very hoodie. dramatic when you're wearing leather trousers. leather trousers uh then we have paul who is of course the corpse paul is out of step with the others um he's he barefoot he's barefoot in brackets something only dead people do um he's also holding a flag in his right hand despite being left-handed um, for our yeah, American listeners, please do not cancel me. A fag is a cigarette in the UK. Not what John Lennon meant when he was insulting his uh, but manager. But like holding it in your like, if you're smoking, I I hold some... my right hand. Yeah, right but hand. If, you, if you're doing something with your left hand, he ain't nosy. He's crossing the road. Yeah, but like. Editor's note: the audio here became fuzzy and robotic again for reasons unbeknownst to our leading ladies. So let us now skip ahead about a minute or two to when the audio returns to normal. Number nine. Number nine. Number nine. So Paul claims that he was actually barefoot because it was a hot and sunny day, which is how we know that he's dead because when is it ever hot and sunny in London? Oh yeah. It's hot and sunny in hell when it clearly is. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Beatles went to hell. I thought you liked the Beatles. I love the Beatles. <laughs> I love Just a lot of people Paul. who went to hell. I, I love I love Billy, not Paul. Not my Paul. <laughs> so the next then they had a compilation album called The Beatles Yesterday and Today. In this on the original um cover was a picture of the band. They all had like weird white sort of surgical gowns on well, butcher's, butchers costumes guns, I guess. Yeah. And um Paul is covered in like headless doll parts and they're all they've got cuts of meat all over them. It's, it's strange. They've all got these. It's funny the original smiles. Lady Gaga. I don't like it, um, but also kind of do. I'm very conflicted. Uh, so anyway, that was pulled for the the fragile individuals of the seventies, and then they reissued another cover in which Paul, it's just a trunk actually. 
Paul is sat in a trunk and it's like an upright trunk and if you turn that on your side it looks like he's in a coffin but here's the thing about that is it came out before he died so doesn't count that's completely pointless then yeah it? so that's the covers but in addition to the covers there are also clues in the music itself Ooh. the band accredited with popularizing a production technique called backmasking this is where gibberish sounds are inserted into a song and then played backwards and they like reveal hidden lyrics. The technique was initially initially the technique was a oh, <laughs> The technique was initially used by the Beatles on Revolver um, and was picked up by a number of big named artists including Led Zeppelin and the little bloke off Twin Peaks and other people what I can't think of. But most famously, the Beatles supposedly used it to insert clues that further alluded to Paul's death. That's definitely what they were doing. Yeah. Here's the thing, right? So I always thought, well, why would they cover it up and then tell you about it, right? But apparently, MI5 made them do this to avoid mass hysteria. But they didn't want to do it and they couldn't hold it in. But they were scared that they'd be bumped off themselves if they told anyone. So they slipped it in clear their consciences you know yeah makes sense you know okay i no, kind of like that it's a little theory yeah. just being like no this isn't fair on our mate yeah paul, who's dead we want you know it's what paul would have wanted and it's like it seems like the kind of weird shit the beatles would do as well yeah um see that's fun i bet that was like george's idea you know no, no that's George's. not a john no that's john would have been that's like that's a ringo classic that yeah no, stop trying to sell Ringo. He's, he's the fat controller. Stop of trying to make Ringo a thing. He's not a thing. Are you going to play me happen. versions of play me these songs? Then? Sorry? Are you going to play me these I songs? Am. Oh, I'm excited. Guys, for this episode, well, for, for the future of the podcast, I've purchased note cards that say Absolute Babe on them. Because Just there's an absolute babe, it's nice to be represented. You know? So in the song on the White Album, I'm So Tired, when it's played backwards, John supposedly says, Paul is dead, man. Miss him, miss him. So this is that. Yeah, I can hear that. Um, yeah. On Why Don't We Do It On The Road. I don't know that song, to be fair. Um, but he supposedly says, Paul is really dead, I really want it out. Yeah, I can hear that. The Paul, I think, is a bit... Yeah. It's just sort of like, oh. But I want it. Yeah, um... So then, also on the White Album, we got the Glass Onion, which is not backwards. He says forwards. Um, I told you about the walrus and me, man. You know we're as close as we can be, man. Well, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was poor. So... Is that the actual words the, the song? Words, yeah. And, so, and somebody has said, if you play that backwards, he says, Paul is the walrus. It's like, well, <laughs> don't really need to, do you? <laughs> um... Yeah, that's the actual lyrics, Glass Onion. The was Paul. Paul, 
So John Lennon initially said uh, it was just like I was messing with the fans because of all the rumours. Yeah. It was just a nonsense thing. But later on, he said that he put that in because he felt guilty about kind of leaving Paul for Yoko, which I'm not entirely sure how calling him a walrus made that up to him. <laughs> don't think that would work for me if you sort of just... <laughs> I'd be very upset out. if you just started calling me a... <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's who, who can penetrate the mind of a musical genius? <laughs> so the most famous one is on the White Album as well. And that is on Revolution 9, which is creepy as shit song anyway. He says, um, turn me on dead man, which is the one that most people know. Number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine, number nine, and the thing is with that song is that it's not even like it's a weird thing to put into a song anyway yeah. so it could be that they are just trying yeah. to do something backwards whereas with the others that's yeah. just a song it's like, like what are the chances you can make it sound that right yeah but this word is on. just someone saying yeah it's weird enough that it would work yeah you know you will not believe how many simpsons references i'm getting at the moment <laughs> i've got a simpsons reference for you later on. uh okay so then we're on to Magical Mystery Tour. I'm just tour. thinking of Eve on it. Yeah, she remember that one with, no? Um, with this an advert campaign where it's joined the Navy backwards. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When in uh, Strawberry Fields Forever. Uh, I like this song. Yeah, I mean, it's one of my favourites. Um, at the end, Paul supposedly forward, not backwards, supposedly says, I buried Paul. <laughs> However, he insists that he was saying cranberry sauce, which makes much more sense. is though with the Beatles cranberry sauce does make more sense because it's the Beatles <laughs> that's the sort of thing I don't thing think it say. does though because I feel like the poor thing could have made just as much sense because <laughs> it's the Beatles he's basically he says he's saying cranberry sauce but other people think it's I very poor <laughs> which surely even if he was saying that would just he's an, he didn't personally bury him did he why would he put that in if you're going to put clues in <laughs> make him make him accurate yeah don't lie <laughs> in the song blue jay way another song i've never heard of where um supposedly saying so he forward he says please don't be long please don't you be very long for i may be asleep i think it's george that says it um but he's supposedly saying he said get me out paul is what is paul is harry krishna it seems paul he is naughty Please don't be long Please don't you be very long You say give me out Leave what's 
Um, that's not a good one. In Getting Better, that's the one where he's a bitch to his wife. After all, Paul is dead. He lost his hair's head. <laughs> it's <laughs> the hair that we're concerned about. He lost his precious ball cut. Again, not to do with Paul's death, really, but I'm pretty convinced they purposely put this one in. This is also in Sergeant Pepper's, um, and when he says never could never could be any other way at the end, which is really creepy, it supposedly says now we'll fuck you like we're Superman. <laughs> So this, this is, is a John Lennon quote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going for that one. That's my favourite. It has nothing to do with Paul, but I like it. So then on Abbey Road. We have an old darling. Um, he says, "Oh, darling, please believe me," and that supposedly says, "In me lives he." Oh, darling, please believe me. In me lives he. That's a pretty yeah, cool one. That's cool. Uh, what does it mean, though? What he lives mean? through us. And then the last one, you'll be pleased to know. In on the album Let It Be, we got Get Back, um, and he apparently says, "I need some wheels. Help me, help me, help me." Which I really would if he's lost his car <laughs> in an accident. and then recorded it forwards and then do you know what I mean no. rewinded it so that he's talking forwards but he's talking wrong yeah um, um, no I, I hate it and it just sounds it makes disturbing me, it makes me feel sick yeah like, it just feels so wrong so um, the band have openly admitted to experimenting with bat masking but the inserts are usually less sophisticated than an MI5 death cover up for instance in the song Girl the band slipped the word tit over and over again because <laughs> they were a, a group of young men who were suddenly famous with a lot of girls loving them. So, uh, so then in 2002, 
Paul married former model Heather Mills, who had entered the spotlight after having her leg amputated following a collision with a police motorbike. And we got these plastic bags. Yeah. Huh? I, I, uh, sorry, there was a reference that you might not even... What did you say? <laughs> I said Heather McCartney's plastic leg up from the shooting stars bit. Where... Ah. No, it's fine. Well, I have met, I have memorised episodes of shooting stars. Uh, you honest. haven't? <laughs> <laughs> Heather uh, McCartney, Heather McCartney, so Heather McCartney's plastic leg. So, a year later, a year later, she gave birth to the couple's only daughter, Beatrice, and the Mills McCartney seemed like a happy, albeit high-profile couple. However, in 2008, news broke that the pair were pursuing divorce and the papers lost their shit. Heather was brutally attacked in the media. It was quite dramatic wording on my part, but they were awful to her. Yeah, well, they treated her like Meghan Markle, man. It was so... Colleen and Rebecca Vardy. (laughs) She was no Vardy. She was a good woman. Um, (laughs) It was all on her. It was like, you know, precious Paul... He's the cute one. He can't do nothing wrong. She's yeah. an evil wench who used to do glamour modelling. You know, how dare it she? It was awful. Um, saddest, saddest part of it all is um, wording, direct wording. A bloated maggot, Pierce Morgan, yeah. um, hacked into Heather McCartney's uh, voicemail when the when it was happening. Oh. And he found a voicemail of Paul singing We Can Work It Out down the phone to her. Oh my which god! Is devastating. Dear Morgan, you piece of shit! Fucking bastard. What a bloated maggot. Can you imagine? Oh, Paul singing that down the phone to her because he loves her and they're splitting up but they don't want to. And Heather said, Heather was also sad. She said, <laughs> she said that, uh, oh, I should not. She said that lo- <laughs> losing Paul was harder than losing a leg. <laughs> <laughs> she would give it a right leg for that. Huh? <laughs> oh, oh, oh my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Heather. I'm, I'm on your side, Heather. I'm sorry. But anyway, more exciting than all of that, was yeah, it, if you I'm can gonna... believe it, was her statements to the press following the finalisation of the divorce. So... On the 1st of November 2007, she gave an interview with a guy called Bully, Bully, a man called Bully. <laughs> said, again? please stop coming here, it was bloated maggot for your uh, She, she gave an interview with Bully, Billy, fucking hell, Bully Bish, <laughs> Billy, Billy Bush? Bush of Access Hollywood. Oh my God. <laughs> it's Access Hollywood. Bully Bish of Access Hollywood. Heather gave an interview with Billy Bush of Access Hollywood. <laughs> Heather made no efforts to hide her anger at the way she'd been treated by the press and her husband. Uh, and she alluded to, and this is her direct quote, something so awful happened, someone I'd loved for a long time, I found out it betrayed me immensely, and I don't mean infidelity or anything like that. Like, beyond belief. People don't want to know the truth, where the truth is, because they could never, ever handle it. They would be too devastated. She then addressed Paul directly and said, you know I have left you, protect me and I will say nothing. And Billy Bush followed up by saying, 
knowing what you know now would about Paul, would you have married him in the first place? And she replied, never. So that's a bit weird, isn't it? It yeah. wasn't infidelity. No. And people can't handle, people can't, the public can't handle the Maybe truth. Maybe killed a guy. Maybe. But then, I mean, it is, it is a bit weird. But also, she met Paul after the car crash. Yeah. So the person she fell in love with would have been, been yeah, who she is but anyway. Yeah, but that might not have been the reason they split up. Split up. She might have just been after they divorced. She was like, you know, stop everyone picking on me or I'll fucking tell everyone that you're Billy Shears. Yeah, you know? um, but when she's like, I understand, like, I've been betrayed because he's lied, and I get that, because that would be awful to find yeah. out that he wasn't who he said he was. But to say that I would never get, I've got with him and married him in the first place seems a bit odd, yeah. because she would have fallen in love with fitted Paul Mark too. Um, You know? Well, I'm just curious as to what the fuck I, Paul I McCartney did. Public opinion generally at the time was that he'd abused her, like physical physical abuse, but that's, that's yeah. kind of been ruled out now. I think um, it's odd wording for someone like that, because someone I'd loved for a long time betrayed me. Sort of like is that how you'd put it if they were abusing you? No, like, and and shit. I don't mean infidelity or anything like that. I would kind of. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that fits in with lying for a long time, doesn't it? Yeah. Hmm. Protect me and I will say nothing. What's he protecting her from? Yeah, so that's um, that's a bit weird. And then the, the day before that, she had gone on GMTV, and it's it's quite a famous interview. Sorry, I, I forget that we're in the present, like almost the present now, so GMTV yeah. is... Yeah, <laughs> we're nearly back up to date. She, she pretty much had a breakdown on it. She she was just like ranting understandably so about how the press had lied about her and they'd said all these awful things mm-hmm. and she was suicidal and she was scared about how it was going to affect her daughter and all of this um and she said i have a box of evidence that is going to a certain person should anything happen to me so if you top me off it's still going to go to that certain person and the truth will come out there is such a fear from a certain party of the truth coming out Ooh. So what is that? What is she hiding? A box of evidence. Like, what has she got evidence of? Like, the death certificates. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and, and, like, why would she be offed? Like, it's something that it, they, they're protecting so much that they could kill her over it. Yeah. What is that? It's, it's mad. Oh, I want to know almost as much as I want to know John Binet in Area 51. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, there's also a theory. Okay, there's also a theory that Heather Mills is the new identity of Rita, the woman who was supposedly in the car with Paul on that fateful night. Well, that makes everything with all that evidence from. What well, she'd have been more evidence him. then if she was Rita. No, but what would what's he portrayed her with? Because she was there. If she knows he. Possibly he didn't get his head chopped off, and she thought he lived, and then she was in a coma. <laughs> uh, and and. Even though Heather was born two years after the crash happened, um, that's just that's irrelevant. My final thoughts on this are: however, this is mental. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) Um, My final comment on Heather Mills is that I like her because she named her autobiography "I've Done a Limp." (laughs) Also, she received, and this is awesome, 
She received a record record label sets fucking hell. Record label settlement in July this year for the lies spread about her during a divorce and for oh. the happiness stuff like that. Which I think is brilliant because they really did make her I remember this happening as well. Like it was near enough ago. It was two thousand when was it? Two thousand seven? Yeah. Two thousand eight. So like, you know, I was an age back then. <laughs> and uh and they really were it was like she was any no matter what program she was on no matter who was speaking to her it was automatically like oh we're talking to the crazy heather mills you know she's delusional she's a money grabber nobody Mm -hmm. listened to what she was saying or made any effort to think maybe the powerful bloke she's married to is intimidating her or maybe he's done something a bit wrong you know it was all just like oh well she's common as much because she's got a northern accent She's obviously after his money, even though he's from Liverpool. <laughs> she's after his obviously trying to get money out of him. Even though she'd been married to him for however long and had a kid with him, suddenly she's decided, I'm going to divorce him, take all his money. And that was it, you know, less. It was, it was awful, it was horrible. Uh, anyway, so what does Paul have to say about it all? Other than losing his titties at the Life Journalist back back in a long time ago, I'm guessing I was going to find out the year and then I didn't bother. <laughs> Um, Paul seems to have found the whole thing fairly amusing. He told the Rolling Stone in 1974, someone from the office rang me up and said, look, Paul, you're dead. And I said, oh, I don't agree with that. <laughs> um, in 1993, Paul, this is great. In 1993, Paul released a live album called Paul is Live. Um, on the cover, let me find the cover for you. He reenacted the Abbey Road cover, but it's just him and his dog crossing. <laughs> And the Beatles in the background says 58 is, because he was 58 at the time. <laughs> um, uh, in 1985, Paul guest starred on The Simpsons in an episode called Lisa the Vegetarian. Linda and I both feel strongly about animal rights. In fact, if you play Maybe I'm Amazed backwards, you'll hear a recipe for a really ripping lentil soup. And at the end of the, at the, end of the episode, they play the song backwards, and it does give you a recipe, and he finishes it by saying, oh, and by the way, I'm alive. <laughs> In the back masking of that. And in, in an interview this year um, with PaulMcCartney.com, he attributed the rumours to too many drugs. People have taken too many drugs and started for looking for answers in all the wrong places. And that's that. I just, I like the idea that somewhere, someone just went, well, he must have died. Yes. Like, I don't know, I don't know why no one can see that he's that unreliable that it was so hard to believe he could have survived? (laughs) It's not a good advert for Aston Martin, is it? (laughs) Oh, that was excellent. Oh, you made my my Area 51 look like shite. No, I mean, he was just comprehensible for a start. <laughs> mine was a oh, match up. Let me this in first. We maybe put this in first. So, <laughs> mine, mine was going to look like shite. Which whichever one works. <laughs> it, was, it was really hard keeping it to myself. P- partly because I was constantly paranoid that you would see on my Spotify what I was listening to and think, she's she's listening to the Beals an awful lot. There's a conspiracy there. <laughs> and partly I've because I just it. kept wanting... Uh, no. Really? I've never heard That's of it. That's crazy. It's like a really big thing. Like, <laughs> no way. Tell me about it. I've never heard of it. Um, 
yeah um yeah and i just kept i kept reading the stuff and being like wanting to be like how stupid is this like how ridiculous is it <laughs> yeah that's the hardest part about researching it. yeah I, I want to tell you yeah i want to be like, like you know i just read really gonna <laughs> find this interesting this yeah no, that was that was great. I that possibly one of my favourites of yours. That one in Swedenborg. Ooh. I love them Swedenborg. Oh, I'm glad. I was really excited to do this, and I really enjoyed doing it because it was kind of like I knew right from the start that it was going to be crazy and stupid. So I was kind of like just this have is my fun favourite kind of conspiracy. Yeah. it's the ones where like it's you know we had visual aids, we had audio yeah. aids. I got to reference The Simpsons three times. I've got <laughs> I got to ignore your references. <laughs> the number nine one is a is a really big Simpsons reference too. <laughs> There's a, a a Barney. Um, I think it's on. I think it actually might be on the one where the um they have that barbershop quartet and become yeah, famous. The B shops. Yeah. <laughs> My dad's got that on a CD in his car. No way. Yeah. Um, but but Barney leaves and he yeah he gets his own Yoko Ono and yeah. records a oh. track called Number Eight and it's Number Eight.